Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm Nelia Hutt. And today I have a very special guest, someone whom I've just met, but I think we have a lot in common. Um, Her name is Diane, and it's Diane Elko. Now, I would like to say that Diane is a coach and a consultant. She has a company called Improve It Consulting and Training, and she can help with a lot of things. I hear that she's fabulous at what she does, and I just wanted to welcome Diane to the show. How are you, Diane? Thank you, Nellie. I'm happy to be here. And thank you for including me on this podcast. Oh, of course. I think you're a great, um, you're going to be a great guest today. I think a lot of our listeners are going to be really learning a lot from you today. I hope so. (laughs) Can you, um, can you tell us or take us through a little bit about um, who you are and what you do? Yes, I've, I've been involved with uh, actually my company, Improve It Consulting and Training, I've been doing this for 20 plus years, but for most of my career, I've been involved with quality management systems. And what I do with the quality management system focus is help to get companies ISO 9001 certified. And most people Mm. don't really know what that is. Uh, Sounds like lingo, you know, of the... um, technocrat lingo, but it's basically a standard that uh, companies achieve and it's recognized worldwide um, so that when you do business with your customers, they can trust your company as to having a good management approach with the systems and processes in place that really assure them that they're going to get the products and services that they need. It's an excellent process, but What I am trying to do, because uh, not everyone needs to get ISO certified, I'm not uh, saying that it's not a valuable process, it certainly is, but I would like to see small business owners or smaller business owners reap the same big rewards that um, uh, in in an easier way, in a simpler way, through uh, my four-step proprietary process. That sounds interesting. Yes, that's one thing I don't know a lot about, actually. So I'm glad that you're uh, you're mentioning it today. <laughs> oh, well, great. We'll we'll share as we go through our interview today what what that might look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you if you are like me, um, you know you might be feeling out of control, as I am in both my personal and business life during these challenging times. And um, I'd like to share with your audience that um, five years ago I. I really lost control in my personal life when we lost our 23-year-old very wonderful son to a dreaded and not often understood an invisible disease called depression, as many of us know exists 
in large numbers today. Um, you know, I ask myself every day what I may have done differently to save him, and this was a major loss, and I felt very out of control, and that hurt still continues to haunt my family. Um, it's primarily, though, the strength and the love that surrounded us that enabled us to continue to live our lives as best as possible. And we're here today forging ahead and um, here for my two beautiful daughters and their families. Um, but the reason we are able to do what we do is because we reached out for help and it was the kindness and the um, advice and help from many people who helped us get through the grieving process. Um, we still grieve, but um, you know, it's, 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 it's a very tough situation. I, I know that I can't control a lot of things, but I do know that the control that we all need in our business is something that I can help people with. And that's why I'm here today to kind of share with you how uh, we can save businesses from the problems and losses that they might have, losing customers and make it clear what they need to do. And um, the big question, I guess, though, is do companies realize that they need help? You know, do we realize we need the help? And I, I can continue on, um, but I'd, I'd like to stop there and just see what you think about all that and help me, you know, uh, understand what your uh, listeners may need as well. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, um, I'd like to say I'm very, very sorry for your loss. I can't imagine um, what that felt like for you and your family. Um, yeah, depression is definitely something... Um, that many people deal with. I think more it's more so than when I was in grade school. I'm uh, 48 now and I don't remember people dealing with that as much when they were, you know, when we were, I was younger. But um, yeah, I'm very sorry for that. And I'm glad that you received some support during that time. Well, thank you. And I'm, I am certainly here to help on that topic as much as I can. But I know today's discussion, we were gonna focus on trying to bring some control into the businesses uh, that people feel they're losing. And, and that is something that we can address. And so, I'm, um, you know, I, I often experience people saying or telling me, my, my current clients will tell me, Diane, our team doesn't know how to do their jobs or what's expected of them. And, we don't know what we can improve because we don't even know for sure what our processes are, or how they work. Um, we have little documentation. We don't even know how to problem solve, team build, and we're losing customers. Mm. So my, my big question to them, Nalia, is where will you be in the next few years if this keeps up? You know, um, the answer isn't good because you don't want to keep spiraling downward. You want to make improvements. Um, I, I know, I don't know a lot of things, but I do know that small business owners who are not reaching their desired and deserved levels will benefit from my four-step proprietary process. And I'm dedicated to help them with these tested and results-driven methods. I've had, oh, at least 25 years in quality management and hundreds of clients. So I'm hoping I can bring that same success to them and, you know, bring them happy employees, happy, satisfied customers, more revenue and more profits. That's right. That's what the bottom. You no, know, that's amazing. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that because it is, you know, work is just not work anymore. It's people are looking for more satisfying things. People are starting businesses. And when, 
you know, in the times of COVID, like so many things have shut down that people do really have to um, pivot and, and uh, change, change the way they're doing things. So I think your, your, um, your coaching comes in so handy right now in the world with all this turmoil happening and people not really sure where to go. So I would love to hear, um, you know, I would love to hear those strategies that you have, because I do really feel at the end of the day, you know, uh, business and personal is, is it's merging more together. I don't think it's such a separate thing as years ago in the workforce, um, you know, work was work and home was home. And, and I find that the more satisfied you are and the more successful you are uh, personally and in your business, I think it does run over and it does run into how you do things in your life without your business. So I think it's great. I think that both, I think that uh, maybe the strategies that you, you can share with us today will both help in business, but also tr transfer into personal. And I think that's fine. I'd love to hear what you have, what you've got for us. Great. You are so right. I mean, it's, it's difficult to have a successful business if you aren't treating people right. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that over my many years in not only corporate America, but even working with some of my clients, you know, the successful leaders are those who really can motivate their folks on their team because they truly are interested in them. It's not just bring me the results and, you know, go back to your, to your cubicle. Right. I mean, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's, I so hate that. Yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, I mean, I mean, that's why one of the reasons I got out of corporate America. I mean, it, I, I received a lot of good training, but I found that people need to be treated with dignity and respect. And you'll see unbelievable results once a leader, managers, whomever can understand that better and the kindness that is shared you know it's really the heart of the business um and i will share with my clients that you know you dig down deep into your heart and start performing the extraordinary from the ordinary you know you can move from the ordinary to the extraordinary and um something and i'll tell you a few mm -hmm, I love that. stories here that might lend interest i won't get into my four-step shed i'll wait on that but <laughs> There was a, um, and you may have heard of this book. It's been around for quite some time. Um, Ken Blanchard, you know, and uh, Sheldon Bowles, uh, they wrote a book called um, Raving Fans. And also um, what that was, was a revolutionary approach to customer service and how you should uh, treat people. Your customers are king, right? They're the best. You don't uh, treat them in a manner that uh, doesn't please them. And they also wrote a book called Gung Ho, Turn on the People in Any Organization. I love that title. And Yeah, me too. Gung Ho, sir, gung -ho service is what we should give to each other every day that we live, wherever we are, whether we're in business, whether we're grocery shopping, whether we're in the neighborhood, just taking a walk. I mean, the way we treat people will tell so much about the results that we get. And I found that to be the big element behind everything that I do in my business. And um, it has helped me to keep my clients over many, many years. I just don't go in and do a job and then leave. I have developed a solid relationship with them and um, it makes me enjoy my work and they enjoy me and we have a wonderful uh, results-based 
you know, um, business between the two of us, you know, I mean, it's a supplier and a customer, but if we treat everyone that we come in touch with as a customer, we'd all be better off. And that means internally in our companies, you uh -huh. know, if employees in a company treat each other as customers to each other, that, that's an amazing concept, you know, that sometimes we overlook and we forget about. That's so true. I love that. Um, business relationships definitely do need to be nurtured just like personal ones. Oh, definitely. And, and the interesting uh, thing about all this customer service orientation, there's another book uh, written by Mark Sanborn. It's called The Fred Factor. Um, and I share that um, with the folks listening today because that's where he, this um, author talks about you put the kind of put the icing on the cake by showing how we turn the ordinary in our lives to extraordinary. And let me share one of the examples from the book. There's a mailman. His name is Fred. And he goes along his route. And uh, you just think, ah, oh, a mailman's a mailman. How special can that be? But, you know, if we all uh, would think this, the way this gentleman, this uh, mailman named Fred, uh, operated and did that in our jobs every day and in our lives, we'd all be better uh, ahead of ourselves or better, you know, uh, results would be achieved. This mailman learned to develop relationships. And I know we don't often deliver mail to homes themselves anymore. We have central mailboxes. So this might be hard to do today, but he would deliver the mail to the home mailbox. We all used to have little mailboxes you know, at our homes. And um, he learned about those people and developed relationships, would look out uh, over their homes when he knew they weren't home because he would deliver the mail and see the, the mail piling right. up. And I guess he would even sometimes keep it for them. And I don't know how it all worked, but he did something beyond, you know, above and beyond service, if you will. Uh, he took something that was very basic and turned it into an extraordinary experience for his customers, the people he was delivering the mail to. I mean, that's unheard of. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's another example of um, a mother who was concerned because she asked her son who was in, I guess, high school, what he'd like to be, what he'd like to do with his life. And he said, I'd like to be a dishwasher. And the mother said to him, I don't think that's a worthwhile job you need to consider something more like a teacher or business person or something else not a dishwasher so you know i ask or we all would ask what's wrong with a dishwasher and um you know if you can see the benefits of what each person does in society in their business especially today if dishes aren't cleaned properly where will we be with this whole covid pandemic i mean I, I think there's a lot to be said that we have to respect what people do and what they do can be taken to the next level into the extraordinary if we all understand what that means and appreciate that, that process. No, I love that. Definitely there are many um, positions of work that are looked down upon and, you know, we're all just people and we're trying to just to do more than what's expected, what you were saying, and 
I find I, I'm seeing that a lot in today's world with COVID that it's the um, some of the workers that perhaps weren't to the ideal job are the ones that are holding everybody together. So I don't think it should be judgmental. I think you're right. And it, it does take a special person to um, to do more than what is in their job description. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. So I love that. I love that you're teaching like what kind of um, so, for example, if I'm a client and I'm I want to come to you and I perhaps don't have the best relationships with my staff or with my fellow, um, you know, managers and things like that. What would be something, what would be some advice that you could give me to help me like start that relationship? Well, you know, there are a lot of ways to improve team building or relationships, if you will. Um, and one of the things that's so important with my four-step proprietary process uh, it's based on continual improvement. And morale is improved if you can work together better as a team. And you can um, also, you know, give praise and um, accolades to your fellow employee who's able to achieve certain goals. And, you know, you praise them for what they do. And they praise you and you work together to get even bigger and better results. Productivity improves. The business prospers and everyone wins. The customers are happy. The boss is happy. The owners of the business are happy. Um, it's a big um, mm -hmm. trickling down effect, if you will. But what I would teach them are there are some very basic team building skills that companies can go through and they've been very successful. I've had hundreds of teams, team problem solving, um, teams that did problem solving, if you will, uh, in their companies. And the results that they achieved were remarkable. I mean, they don't have to be big results, like we're gonna implement a big software system and a new accounting system. These were things that these people who were the experts because they did their functions every day, their activities, they could see what could be improved. And if you can develop that environment where everyone feels free to share what they see as an opportunity for improvement, work through the problems to find a way to do it better, faster, easier, simpler. The results are really amazing. I mean, you can get all these incremental changes and improvements done over the course of time. And that adds up. That really hits the bottom line of a business. And it makes for happier environments more than sure. anything. And you said that it all starts with, you know, praising as well. I was thinking, um, for me in my business, it's just me, but I think in my family situation, I think I need to do that more. Like, I think like with the connection between the business and personal as well, like, I think I need to remember to praise like my child more and to, I get better results. Right. So. Absolutely. <laughs> so even with our spouses, mm -hmm. sometimes we have, and I'm, I have been told, and I know I need to work on this. My husband will say, Oh, you're telling me what to do or whatever. But, um, I need to thank him because he does a lot that I don't thank him for. Mm. And we forget that. I've been married many years, 40 years. So um, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. But you know, we take each other for granted. You take your yep. loved ones for granted. All the time. All the time. Yeah. But getting back on the, yes. you know, yes. promising, <laughs> making promises. We make promises to our loved ones. We make promises to our clients. Um, we make promises that 
if we could fulfill them consistently and predictably time after time, think what that would do in the long run. You know, people want to work with us. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, just the simple act of being in business is a promise. You promise that you can do something for someone. That's right. And if you can, if you can do it, um, even if you make mistakes, because that's something that um, we all do, we make mistakes and that's human and it's forgivable, but your loyal customers will overlook it because you'll try to recover. You don't just ignore your mistake and think there's no reason to uh, respond in any way or recover. But if you can recover, um, you get that person for a lifetime. I mean, they become a lifelong loyal customer to you. Um, you can probably think of these situations, Nelia, in your, in your life where you go into a restaurant and you don't get the best service or your food comes out cold or um, mm -hmm. the waiter was rude. Um, think about this. If you didn't complain, because a lot of people don't, they'll just leave and say, I'm never coming back to this place. But if you complain and the manager recovers and says, we're going to look into this. I don't know why this happened. Instead of just putting their hands up in the air and say, oh, well, stuff goes wrong sometimes. And that's the way it is. But if they take your complaint, make it into an improvement and also recover for you by maybe giving you free dessert or free uh, drinks or whatever, you're going to come back again and again. Absolutely. Because you felt they listened to you and took you seriously. Yeah, absolutely. That would mean a lot, right? Right there. Yes, mm. absolutely. I mean, that's, that's something that I know we don't realize. And a lot of businesses, especially service businesses, don't realize they're losing customers because of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think they think about it. They think, eh, we're a pretty good restaurant. They're going to come back. Heck no. I know in the greater Houston area where I live, there are so many restaurants. If I visited one a day, I wouldn't get through them in many, <laughs> many years. Sure. You can't think that you're the only one. You've got to think, how can I be better? How can I do the extraordinary? For my clients and moving and taking um, continual improvement at heart is part of this and I can explain my uh, four steps briefly if you'd like me to of how I work with my clients to get them started on this journey sure I think I would benefit from that as well um, okay well um, basically I try to keep it simple because if something's too complicated people aren't going to use it and they're not going to implement it properly correct so um, to commit to quality improvement, I first ask my clients to map it. And my business, remember, is called Improve It. So I kind of take off on that little terminology, map it, mm -hmm. by uh, laying out your processes and understanding what you do and why you do it. A lot of people go through processes that have been there for a few years, or they don't even understand why they're doing it a certain way, and they miss the advantage of making it uh, better, or maybe they don't even need it. I mean, people need to lay it out, visually see what does their business look like from the moment the order comes in the door that the customer is giving you an order, the salespeople are collecting the order, taking it through all the various stages, uh, you know, whether it's how you review your orders and enter them into your system and who processes them and packages them and how you um, work with other outside suppliers to help you complete your, 
your shipment and et cetera. I mean, it's a whole, it can be very complicated or it can be very simple, but we do this process mapping at a very high level just to understand what the big blocks look like. So then the people who are part of those blocks can go in and say, okay, how, do, how does that block work? Let's take it even further, drill down a little bit. And where can I improve? Where am I stumbling? Where am I finding the most errors? Where is it cumbersome? cumbersome? And what do I really hate to do in my activities on a daily basis? You gotta Some, really dissect it. Yeah, because if you really hate something, maybe you don't even have to do it. Why are you doing it if it's so, you know, if it's that difficult and cumbersome? Mm -hmm. But that's step number one, map it. Step number two is own it. And that's where we kind of get into helping people feel comfortable in their roles. What is their job description? What's expected of them? Did you ever go into a job and you knew you were gonna be a, um, oh, let's just say a salesperson, but you didn't know what all that entailed because no one ever told you anything, just sell. <laughs> However that goes, I mean, some things may be simple, but there were other functions and activities that your boss expected of you that weren't clearly shared. And then when performance review time came around and they asked you, um, well, Nelia, you didn't perform these three things. I'm so sorry, you're not doing well. We can't, uh, you know, we might need to move on or we might not be able to keep you or you're not gonna get your merit increase. Or can you imagine how devastating that is because you didn't even know what was expected of you? So we want people to be clear about what's expected of them and um, understand how they need to treat each person in the team as a customer. That's really important. So what, is, what are their responsibilities? And that's where leadership comes into. How does the leader motivate their team and build the teams to solve problems? And that leads into step three, which is improve it. Um, that's the heart of the process. And you want to learn how to improve what you do and realize that incremental changes will give you big results. So you need to be able to share with your team what are the opportunities we have. Use feedback from the customer. Use feedback from each other. What do you think I could improve in my job and in the way I do things that will give you better results? Because after I'm done with doing X, Y, Z, I have to hand it to you and you have to do X, Y, Z. And the next person has to touch it and handle it. So um, the improvement process is to me um, where we really want to be focused because if we can't continually improve what we do, our business is doomed for failure, at least mediocrity. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And some people have a hard time just admitting that they want to improve it. Because, you know, yeah. some people think, well, my product's the best and I've got nothing to fix. And, you know, so do you ever find a struggle with that part? Uh, no, because, um, well, I mean, I shouldn't say no, because I'm sure there are people who think, oh, I can't think of a thing. But when you approach it a certain way and say, what about this? Um, who does this? And you question people, it's kind of like uh, help them to dig deeper into what they do. They will inevitably find ways to improve something that they're currently doing. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just, it's simple. And, they're, and they're, you need to make them proud of it because they're the experts, and if they can't improve it, who can? Exactly. They're the experts on the job. So then that moves us into step four, Nelia, which is measure it. 
And we want to be objective and see the value of all these improvements we're making and want to be able to show that have we reduced errors? Have we improved uh, or reduced costs because of those errors? Because errors cost money. And if you have to redo things, you're talking about a big hit to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can keep focused on some measurements, have your scores by from your customer surveys or customers feedback improved that they're not complaining anymore, but they're happy and giving you high, rate, high ratings, um, uh, you're moving up in the charts, you know? Um, that's what it's all about. And based on those measurements, either you say something's not right because we're not improving. So let's go back and start it again, repeat this process, or maybe we need to repeat it on a uh, different block in that process map, if you will. You know, maybe this block isn't where all the heartache and troubles are. We need to control more things in the next block in that process map. And you repeat it until you, uh, it's really a journey without an end. I mean, it really is. You don't ever stop because once you stop, what do you think happens? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't get anything, you know, your status quo and your competition is going to be making more improvements and you're kind of stuck back in the, you know, trenches, if you will. So you got to always have that attitude and I think people are happier when they're part of a company where they can document all the things they've improved over the years. Yeah, I really like that four-step process. It, it takes it and puts it into small chunks, right? Right. So it doesn't feel like so overwhelming. I really like the way you organize that. Oh, thank you. And I think people will find that it's uh, easy to implement, uh, but it uh, has to be carried through uh, in the stages. You know, you have to address all the, the four steps. You can't just do one or the other. I mean, it really is a sequential thing as well. Right. So how did you get started with, uh, with your business idea back 20, 25 years ago? Well, interesting that you should ask. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, um, I actually started out in manufacturing. I was what they called back then a token woman in the manufacturing field. Um, I worked in a large turbo machinery company and I, I loved it, but we got started on um, Philip Crosby's quality improvement. He was one of the gurus of quality uh, along with um, Duran, uh, Duran and uh, Deming. Those three guys kind of started the quality movement, if you will. Okay. And um, I was in, involved with um, this process that was based on problem solving. And this gentleman, Philip Crosby's definition of quality was meet the requirements. Okay, very simple, meet mm. the requirements. Now, if you don't know what the requirements are, you can't meet them. For so, sure, yes. <laughs> um, that was a good starting point for me, but we had problem solving teams in that process. And I moved on then uh, into um, banking where we did quality circles. I don't know if you've ever heard of quality circles. I haven't. That mm -hmm. goes way back. I'm, telling my age a little here, but quality <laughs> circles were more voluntary where teams would say, um, you know, we want to um, improve something in what we do in the company, but it was on a voluntary basis. Well, from banking, I moved into uh, another financial services company where we were focused on total quality management. We went through all these um, kind of, um, stages of quality through all the, you know, through the past 
30 years or whatever. Um, and when total quality management hit, that's when the problem solving became big. And I enjoyed that probably most of all because problem solving was what it was all about. And um, the results were very positive at companies when we used the team problem solving. But mm -hmm. from there, I then moved into uh, ISO 9001 certification, which by the way, still exists. And it uses a little bit of all of the above we talked about. I mean, it's kind of the standard that was created. It's international and it's worldwide. And companies who have it brag about it. They put out banners and put it on their websites that they're ISO 9001 certified. And there are as many standards as there are industries. Um, but the basic one is ISO 9001. And I got into that and I used my, if you will, package of tools I collected over the many years to help get these companies certified. But then I realized now I'm going to take this process, take it and condense it, if you will, or compress it and help smaller companies who need the same results um, get it done in a easier, mm -hmm. faster, more user-friendly way. It's definitely needed out there in the, in the workplace, I find. It is, and um, lots of people may not realize they need it. And um, I think if they um, give it a shout out, they'll realize the benefits. You know, if they give it a, uh, a chance, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll see that it's something that can help them. And that's what I'm trying to share, uh, not just for my own benefit. I mean, it's my business, of course, but I'd like to see the smaller businesses um, make more headway. They deserve to see the same results as others. You know, the, uh... Yeah, absolutely. And I find that um, just listening to you explain that, it's sort of like education is key, right? So sometimes when you're so close to something, you cannot see where you can improve or you, you do need to hire an expert. You know, you can't, you can't wear all hats as a business owner. So I think that's great. You really sound like you know what you're talking about. So. Well, thank you. And I, I'm, I'm passionate about it, I guess. And um, uh -huh. I'm passionate because I, I like to see people get results. Um, yes. You know, like I said in my uh, opening remarks, I can't control everything in my own life, but uh, this I can help people to control. And I hope um, to see the benefits of doing things right the first time and every time in everyone's life, uh, whether it's business or personal, but um, we, where we can implement controls, why not, you know, why, why let ourselves open to the risks that will possibly bring us failure or loss of control and, uh, we can be better and bigger. Yeah. Like where do you see the business going within the next five years? How do you see things changing? Well, you know, this standard has been around for the ISO standard. I'm not saying my particular um, pivot of my business to small business yeah. owners, but it's been around for, let me see, 40 years, at least mm -hmm. 50 years, 40 years from the, um, and, but I think more importantly than even the um, standard, I mean, the standards are there, companies realize the benefits of all of this we're talking about because they are struggling. And it amazes me 
because I even asked myself that 20 years ago when I started getting into the coaching and consulting for quality management, I thought, is this going to be a long-term thing or is this something that will change? And it hasn't. And uh, it's seen as um, an existing and valued and highly respected process. So taking this into a smaller scale and sharing it, I think will be something that uh, we'll see be able to um, benefit the smaller businesses and mm -hmm. uh, they can move to the next levels of success. So as I guess as long as someone owns a business and has an opportunity within their business to see improvements or wants to see improvements, I, mm -hmm. I guess really, really successful businesses may say, I don't need this. That might be a long thought process because if you think you're very successful, it's that status quo, and you don't want to move it to the next level, um, you could be at a great loss. You know exactly. Um, so I do think yeah. it's it's a stronghold that uh, exists mm -hmm. there today, and that's why I'm happy to share it now with others who may not have ever heard of it or known about it, but um, I'm not sharing the whole process. I'm sharing what right. will be of value to them and make their businesses healthier. No, for sure. Especially with COVID, just this year, the amount of new businesses out there, the amount, I think you're going to be very busy. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Although, Where can you? <laughs> I know, I mean, I think it forced me and I did welcome a little time off. I still have clients that I'm working with, but some of them had to close down. You know, they didn't want to have outsiders coming in for fear of bringing in the virus. And I, I do think that pivoting to the uh, internet and, co you know, the uh, digital and digitizing and the Zooms and the you know, the Microsoft Teams and all that we need to do electronically is where it's at. I mean, we can't continue to always visit people. Um, we can mm -hmm. learn to visit now respectfully online. And I think that's where we're headed. I mean, uh, all these ways to do it, whether it's Facebook Live or podcasts or YouTube or coaching with Zoom, the online face, you know, online, mm -hmm. on, online coaching and uh, sharing, I think it's the wave of the future. And I, I mean, I'm not hoping that we have more COVID pandemics, but I certainly think that people are realizing, I know even my daughter and son-in-law um, uh, who live out in California, they're finding, and, and my, also my daughter up in Dallas, they're finding that sometimes people are more productive working from home. It saves me three hours of driving, Nellie. I would drive an hour and a half each way yes, in greater Houston to get to my clients. So it is saving time and I can do more for them remotely. And it's just the balance too of, of work and home, right? Right. Because more, I find more younger, um, the entrepreneurs are becoming younger and younger. And, um, I do feel, you know, they have young children and they have other things as well. So I think being able to work from home, it's, there's a lot of positive sides. Oh, definitely. Sure. Definitely. What would you say? I just got another question for you. What would you say is your, um, your favorite part about the work that you do? What do you like the most? Well, I think I like the problem solving for my clients. 
I'm trying to give them techniques, tools, methods that they can use moving forward. But in my initial work with them, I help them to see what they need to improve and then they can take it from there and move forward. So I think I like the problem solving. And I have to be honest, I like the relationships. Mm. I love all my clients. They're just great people. And I've, um, you know, I've worked with them now, many of them for over 10 years. And uh, it's wonderful. I mean, I, I, they're my friends, if you will. I think we, we see a lot of synergy developing and we can do a lot more when that happens, not just in and out and, you know, meeting people and leaving and not having that relationship. So relationship building, and that's tying back into doing a little extraordinary for each other. That's, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Is something that you'd like to share that maybe we didn't talk about? Well, yeah. Um, if we go back to uh, talking about how to build a good team, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are there's a lot of there are a lot of books written on team building. Gosh, I have them all in my library, and I can pull them all out. But they all um, they all are centered around again, as I mentioned, uh, treating people with dignity and respect. And no one shutting someone down, that's a stupid idea, or we've already done that, and why are you bringing that back up? But the same things that happen in a business team happen probably pretty often with people and their relationships in their personal life, mm -hmm. if you think about it. So um, the team building process will get people to feel comfortable with each other and they're more likely to share and, and reach higher levels because they're willing to share. The same way when you're with friends, if you open up and share things, they can help you um, like with your grief or with your, you know, your um, problems that you may be having in your household, personal problems, whatever. But it's a trust factor that has to happen. And in many companies, people don't always uh, have the opportunity to develop that trust, or they don't, they're fearful of, of, of even opening up enough to share. Right. So leadership is really important in those companies. And if the leaders of the companies, the management of the companies can encourage their people to reach out to each other and they also reach out to their employees and get to be known and have luncheons and do things with them, not just be the person over there in the uh, top floor office. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised at what results. I mean, there, I've seen both types of companies and all kinds of stages in between, but the best companies are those who have built relationships within the organization. Yeah, and I think, I think at the end of the day, as long as everyone feels valued and accepted for who they are, for their ideas, um, that people are willing to listen to new perspectives, and that the level, you know, that everybody's kind of treated as equal. I mean, I know that some positions are more valued than others, but at the end of the day, I think it's just like being part of a family where everyone wants to feel that they have a say, 
that everyone wants to feel trusted and believed and that they have something worth uh, sharing, something valuable to, to offer. So right. I think that that's really important. Yeah, if we don't feel valued, um, we're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they even said what studies, certain studies were done where it wasn't even the pay that was important. You know, people said, oh, aren't you getting paid enough? They left their job. They don't have high enough uh, salaries for the folks. But it wasn't even that. People would be willing uh, in this study that I'm referring to, and I don't have it in front of me to even right. where I can find it, but they were willing to take lesser pay if they felt they were respected and valued and that what they did was respected and valued. I think that's so true. Even within my close community and the people that I deal with on a daily basis, that is so true. I hear that all the time, that they would be willing to take a pay cut for just some respect. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And for just a part of feeling as if they matter in the company, that they're not just replaceable. You know, they're not so easily replaceable anyway. Yeah, so, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Diane, there's, um, can you tell us where our listeners can find you? If they want to learn more about what you do, if they need your help, if they're, you know, if they've chosen to, to um, choose COVID as their time to start their own business, which is very brave um, and probably a great time to do it. Um, is there any, um, can you let us know where they can find you, how they can reach out to you, how they can learn more about you? Well, yes, um, I am not on YouTube yet, but I'm aiming to get there soon. Um, but I do have, a, a, I'm on Facebook. The best way to reach me is my website, which there's a contact area on that website. And the website is Improve It, like my business name, improveitsolutions.com. Great. And they can also email me. Mm-hmm. And that email address would be D is in Diane, M is in Marie, Elko, E L K O, last name, at T X U N is in Nancy.net. That's D M Elko at T X U N.net. And I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up uh-huh. Diane Elko on LinkedIn and you can connect with me via LinkedIn. That's great. Um, You have given me a lot of valuable information today. So things that I didn't really think about before that I think I can implement my own business with your four processes. So I'm going to be thinking about those. So thank you very much. And thanks for reiterating the fact that uh, why team building is so important and why we need to respect the people we work with and and all of those things and always be open and willing to improve, to improve your business, improve yourself. So I love that message. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed being on the show. I did now, Yen. I thank you for having me on this show. <laughs> no, that's great. Okay. Well, thanks again, Diane. And I look forward to uh, learning a little bit more about you and what you do. And I with you, Nelia. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.